Okay, so welcome to the Falcon Podcast, our very first podcast that uh, we're doing here, where we're going to talk about uh, pretty much anything we want. Um, I mean, it, it is our it is our podcast, so I mean, we really <laughs> have constraints what we can and can't talk about. That's right. That's right. So um, I am Dean Jansen. I'm a teacher, but more importantly, I am the manager of the Falcon Theatre in Tisdale. And who the, who is this with me? And and this is the 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 favorite born, the first born, uh, Noah Jansen. Uh, I don't know my, my title, film snob. Maybe I don't know. Is that a good title? Absolutely, yeah. All right. <laughs> We we have another that uh, is hoping to join us in the future, but can't be here tonight uh, uh, by the name of Christian. But we he sends his reg- regards to everyone who may or may not listen to this. All and, and it'll be maybe a little good good to get bearings, and then we can go a little more off the rails when he comes. So yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what that's what we're expecting out of him when he can make it is to pull the thing off the rails. Yeah, just downhill, as if we're not going to do that ourselves. So uh, why are we doing this, Noah? Um, I mean, like, the amount of times when, you know, we're just hanging out and stuff like that, we just have, like, we'll discuss movies for a, a majority of the time when we hang out. And, I mean, it's just something I think we're both pretty passionate about. And, I mean, it's a good good way to continue on the conversation and start conversations about the upcoming movies. And it's also just good, uh, some easy uh, advertising and marketing for what we got, you know, what's coming up in the theater and what are some of our thoughts and maybe grievances with previous movies that we have seen or we are going to see and some of the, our hopes and dreams for the future of uh, movies. And I don't know, I think just keeping that conversation preserved and going. Excellent. Yeah. Good answer. Uh, much better than what I would have said, which is, I don't know. Um, we were a family who grew up with movies. Uh, Noah wore out like three sets of videotapes of Star Wars growing up. Uh, we, we, and I, I still, I still have, uh, I think, three different VHS copies of it at home, just in case the one that I do have will uh, burn out. I have a backup for uh, emergency situations. You're good well into the future for your VHS Star Wars watching. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, as as Noah said, uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll discuss some upcoming movies, perhaps, and what we've watched previously, and just have some fun with it. So uh, let's start it off with uh, talking about the movie that's going to be at the Falcon Theater this weekend, which is uh, the second Aquaman movie. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Uh, are you getting sick of superhero movies yet? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I, I honestly can't remember the last super. I think the last superhero movie I might have actually like sat in theaters for was like the Doctor Strange one. Um, I think it's good that is like as much as this is because this is kind of the last of the DC like uh, EU that's going to be on film. Like after that, they're moving into the. That new, the Robert Patterson Batman and that new Joker movie, I think those are kind of their own little universe away from, you know, the Justice League and Zack Snyder kind of universe that's been built and kind of had their own, <laughs> the amount of issues they had compared to what Marvel had going into Avengers. You know, they, they kind of dropped the ball. But, um, I mean, I will say that out of out of all of the DCEU movies that have come out, um, 
the first Aquaman, I would say it was probably the one I enjoyed the most out of, you know, with a Batman v Superman, Justice League. I don't even think I even saw the Flash. I can't really speak on that, but uh, it, I mean, it I'm was sure not very seen. good. The Flash, yeah, the Flash well, was not very I, good. I saw I saw enough on the, like Twitter and some of the the goofy clips there of something. Like, I mean, I think they had the their hearts in the right place, but I think just with so many other issues maybe out of the director and writer's control it it kind of just wasn't able to exactly be the vision that they uh wanted to go with because i don't think anybody makes a movie hoping it's gonna be bad they're putting it in hoping that it'll you know get well, tickets and people will there love has it, been but... a, there no there has been a few out there that have made a movie fully expecting and knowing it was going to be bad, but not typically your a-rated movies right that's what i mean like the ones that I mean if if your the parent companies like Warner Bros. are they're like they're dishing out millions of dollars for this. They're not doing it just because they think it's going to be a fun little joke. You know, they're they're hoping that they'll double or triple their money when it comes back. But unfortunately, as we've seen over over the years, there's a lot of stuff that's coming out that doesn't really have it. Might, it might have you know the bones, but it doesn't have the the heart to really back up what they're trying to do so which is unfortunate but yeah no i i agree with your comment though i think the aquaman movie the first one was one of the best that dc put out um mm-hmm. par- partially because uh i think the underwater aspect of it was really cool and and actually hid the fact that dc doesn't do a very good job of cgi um, well that's what i mean when when everything it's kind of like when that uh, that that newer tron movie came out like with them going into the Tron world and then having like Jeff Bridges be like DH, which hey, they were they were early on the trend for what we have now, but they kind of made everything look a little cartoony and you know computeristic, so it kind of did hide a little bit of the janky CGI. Which yeah, hundred percent agree with going underwater. It kind of everything will look that way, so you can't really notice the stuff of it is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I kind of think it's interesting that. Uh, Aquaman was largely considered kind of a joke in the DC universe. Well, that was and, I was going to say that. Yeah, 100%. And then they cast Jason Momoa as Aquaman and all of a sudden he's super cool, right? He's like Well, I mean if, if Jason Momoa were to play a character and it wouldn't seem cool, like I would be there would be a big problem there because I think he could play like he could play, I don't know, the the dweebiest biggest loser nerd you know, guy, he would still, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger level cool just for kind of his whole, you know, persona and everything. You know, he brings a lot of, I guess, gusto to any role he's in. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So let's, you know, let's, kinda, talk, let's talk uh, a little bit about Amber Heard because yeah. uh, she's apparently in this new movie, but uh, has just a very small role in this new movie. Yeah, well, I mean, like, and I'll be honest, like, with all the stuff that went on with that whole uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial thing, like, I watched the documentary, which, again, it's very biased towards Johnny Depp, and I don't doubt that. I mean, I think they're two really not the nicest people that, you know, it's kind of like a, a two two storms meet, and it kind of just ends up being a, a crap show, but, like... I'll be honest. I don't yeah, really uh, remember when you say crap show. I'm just curious what exactly you're talking about because uh, you know the stories, right? 
No, yeah, and I no, no pun intended, but that actually that definitely does fit. You know, yeah, like, like, there was definitely, like, there was audio clips of Johnny being, you know, quite a bad person and stuff of her being quite a bad person. Who Who is more in the right? Who is more in the wrong? The only people that really know are them, you know, so it's hard to say, but the court of public opinion really came down on, uh, came down on her without uh, any sympathy, which I guess that's just the way it is. But, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't really remember her character from the first movie. Oh, I, I do. I mean, she was pretty prominent in it. Maybe I just wasn't really paying attention when I was watching it. Because, like, I remember she played on the underwater and she was kind of the love interest. But, like, I'll, I'll be honest, if they had made this movie and if, if she wasn't in it, and I, again, I haven't seen the movie personally, so I, I can't speak on it, I don't feel like it would have taken away too much out of the movie. They could have just been, oh, yeah, she's off doing something else. And, you know, it would have just been, okay, let's yeah. let's continue now. Yeah. Um. So what I read, because I looked into it a little bit, her lack of being in this movie is that the the producers are saying it has nothing to do with the Johnny Depp trial. But mm-hmm. instead, they're attributing it to a lack of chemistry between Jason, Jason Momoa and her. And maybe that goes to what you were just saying, like you hardly even remember her in it, mm-hmm. probably because of a lack of chemistry. Like, I, I, I think I would remember, oh, what's his name? I think Patrick Wilson, like the... The skinnier guys in like the Conjuring movies. He's a he's the I don't know if he's a bad guy. He's one of the other like kind of main people in the Aquaman. I remember him more than uh, Amber Heard's character. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Hopefully, it's uh, they can maybe end the the DC on a somewhat of a a stronger note compared to some of the like if they can maybe not execute the flip, but land the, you know, fall, maybe it'll be at least somewhat positive remembered, at least years down the road, people might look back with a little bit more nostalgia at it. Yeah. Hard to say until... This is the final movie in the DC Extended Universe, like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name, takes over after this um, shoot. James Gunn? Yeah, yeah, Gunn takes over, and so it's yeah. all going to be new stuff after this, and the whole previous DC universe has ended. Um, yeah, you know this this saga of the DC universe encompassed everything from Wonder Woman um, to you know where Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman all fought together. I I thought the Wonder Woman movies, at least the initial one, was was quite good, but uh, yeah, the, it never really took off the whole thing. I found the CGI well, and, was good, and and well, the thing is too, and, I, and like, and I know we've talked about this before, but it, that was it was kind of that trend in the 2010s once all the other studios saw the success of Disney and Marvel when they came up with the Avengers, and you know how all these stories had built up and led to that moment. And so now all of these, not not just DC, but and, you know, like there was the I think the Universal MonsterVerse, and they did like that Mummy movie that was going to be like. The Mummy and Jekyll and Hyde and like the Wolfman and their own ensemble series and like a lot of these studios tried to jump on the train of what was popular, but they didn't go through the work of building up and they wanted to just get right into the you know the, they want to get right into their end game moment you know the battle against Thanos and unfortunately you have to let it sit like the reason Marvel's work so good is because it took fifteen years to get to that point you know and I also feel like that's kind of one of the reasons why. I mean, since Endgame, I feel like it's that superhero bubble. It kind of like that was as high as they could go. You know, they—I they, mean, it's the highest grossing movie of all time. 
they they went to the top of Everest and they made, showed this grand finale and now it's almost kind of like any of the superhero stuff that's come out now it's like yeah okay you know everyone's a little burnt out and it's kind of fizzled off from the initial hype when it yeah yeah no absolutely and we can we could talk about the whole what marvel has done shitting the bed but um that's a whole nother episode i think uh <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um so uh, not without spoiling too much, apparently a bit of a surprise that uh, turns out Martin Short has a scene in the Aquaman movie. And I think that's really cool because I love does, Martin does he, Short. Does he play, play himself or? No, he's the, apparently he's doing a voice. He's the voice of King Fish oh. in the movie. Oh, okay. That's, I mean, yeah, you can never go wrong with, with, with Martin Short. That's for sure. Yeah. That's and, cool. I didn't. I didn't know that he was in it. Oh, I'm gonna go yeah. see it now just for Martin Short. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I was uh, doing a little reading about it because I was surprised that he would choose to be in something like that. So you know, just in a bit role in something quick. Yeah. But sometimes, um, you know, one scene characters are brought in by a director because they like working with them. But apparently, uh, like Martin Short has never worked with this director before, or anything like that. So. You know, he just like he, he likes to do voice acting, and so it worked. For yeah, him. had a bit of free time and just kind of yeah. threw it all together. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I know. I had no clue he was in it. I do. I do like when you know there is some like lighthearted kind of little cameo. You know, you like sometimes it can be a little much, and sometimes I do roll my eyes for you know some of the modern day movies where it feels like it's like they have to have a cameo. But like you know, little things like that where it's just kind of subtle and they don't you know they don't focus too much on it but it's kind of a thing after like a few people will get it and be like is that short like in the movie theater like stuff like that is you know a nice little touch in it it gives it a little bit more uh shows the movie had a little bit more thought and love kind of put into it instead of just like oh what what celebrities can we have in it you know i know yeah exactly yeah if if it's done right exactly yeah that's the thing you know it's very it's a very slippery slope from it you know, being, being kind of cool to make me, you know, roll my eyes when I see it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So another thing about Aquaman, um, it's officially the DC's biggest movie of 2023. So it beat the flash, it beat Shazam and it beat blue beetle, which didn't do very well at all. I didn't even, I, bring I, I didn't even realize they had that. This is the fourth one that came out in the year. I guess they were just trying to clean house and what they had left over. Maybe, I guess. I guess, yeah. I didn't mind Shazam, but the other I didn't see Blue Beetle and Fla- the Flash was terrible. But yeah, I like I said again, I I'm for, I can't really speak because I haven't seen them either. I did really like the first Shazam movie. Um, yeah. Zachary Levi. I mean, like back when he did Chuck, I remember watching that all the time, and I, I really enjoyed him as a as an actor. He has that kind of quirky kind of charm, and I mean, I I mean, I remember hearing when they had that um, what was it, the Black Adam movie. And yeah. they wanted to have him in fight in the Shazam movie, fight against Shazam. Oh. And apparently Dwayne Johnson, because he's kind of got a bit of an ego, refused to be the villain in the movie. He wanted to have to fight Superman and not like a knockoff Superman. Now, don't say that Dwayne Johnson has a bit of an ego in a negative way, because that man, if anybody deserves to have a bit of an ego, I think Dwayne Johnson deserves to have that, a bit that, of an ego. That, that's fair. I'm just going off of what I heard on the internet, so it's got to be true. So, Well, absolutely, if, especially if it's on <laughs> Facebook, right? 
Well, exactly. So yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I it has a movie that's been kind of in the back of my mind that like if I have some time, I, I want to throw on. But yeah, Blue Beetle. Like, I didn't really have any. Uh, I, I'd have more desire to go watch uh, the Tick, uh, that Blue Bug, compared <laughs> to Blue Beetle. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and so did many, many other people. Apparently. Mm-hmm. So and, you know, I feel like too with COVID that kind of brought out a lot like that. It, it has kind of things shown its ripples on what is. Like they just kind of like you know couldn't work with as many locations, so a lot more stuff was in studio, which leads to a lot more poor CGI and just kind of a bit yeah. downhill from there. I think. Yeah, yeah. So as as we leave the DC universe behind, um, I was looking ahead, like what where are they going? What are they coming out with next? And the yeah. only thing I found was that in 2024, the the sequel to the Joker is coming out in 2024. Um, which I yeah. love. I loved the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. Like that was one of the mo- best. That's probably my favorite DC movie that's been made. Uh, well, some of the be- earlier, the whatchamacallit Batman ones were very good too. But yeah, yeah, like he he definitely because I mean it's it's nice too when he gets his whole movie to really um, develop and grow. Like a lot of the time when we see a mo- like a Batman movie with the Joker. He's already the Joker. He's already there. He's, you know, full, you know, mad clown or whatever. You don't get to see his his slow descent, which I think also adds a bit of sympathy to the character, especially in the, the Joker movie with, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix there. Well, and I think Joaquin Phoenix is weird as heck, but man, he pulls off the Joker. He he's a he, great actor. Like he's honest. I would honestly say, like, he, in my opinion, one of the top five actors of like this day and age. Because even though he is a very recognizable, famous face. When he is in the role, like it's unlike you know you see Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like okay, that's Leo as Jordan Belfort. That's Leo as you know the guy from The Revenant. You know you see him, but when I see like Joaquin Phoenix, like it, he becomes that character. He truly is you know enveloped in the role and make, makes it believable that you're not seeing Joaquin, you're seeing Arthur Miller. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the only, <laughs> the only. Uh, step back from that would be Napoleon, which was horrible. He tried to save it, but he couldn't. That was a terrible movie. But... There's only so much you can do with 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 what's given for the script and everything, too. You know. Yeah. Because yeah. like, I mean, if, I I don't know if you ever saw like I went and saw in the summertime. Uh, Bo is afraid, which what with Joaquin Phoenix. No, I I want to see it, but I haven't seen it yet. It, it's weird. I'll let you like if if you it, it's a it's a long movie. It's about three hours long. And it, the best way I could describe it, like when I watched it in theaters, like I felt, especially for the first half, I felt like I was having like an anxiety attack, like the way they portrayed and the way he's able to give across the emotion, everything of someone like who has crippling anxiety was like, you, you felt it as you're in the theater. So yeah, no, he's such a phenomenal actor. So I'm very excited. Is that coming out 2024, the new Joker? Uh, yeah. That's the only DC movie scheduled at this point for 2024. What about the Batman 2? Is that not scheduled for this year or is that 2025? I don't know. When I looked it up, that was the only one that was confirmed. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. I just looked up 2025 is for the Batman Part 2. Now, I'm curious if they're going to – because now they kind of have two different major DC characters who are – I mean – in the past, they've been very large villains and heroes against each other. If they're going to have those two universes kind of tie across, or if they're just going to do their own thing between the two, you know? I guess it would make sense if the shows do well. Yeah. I mean, with, with the Batman, they did have that, um, 
oh, what's his name? The Barry, uh, like Kyogen, whatever he, I can't pronounce his last name. He's a, uh, like in that Saltburn movie and like the Ban- uh, Banshees of Inertia. Um, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that small cameo as the Joker in the Batman movie. So I'm curious, is this, you know, a guy who's inspired because Walking Phoenix's Joker takes place in like, you know, the seventies and eighties. Is it going to be like a, a guy who was inspired by that or is it just going to be its own thing? You know, I guess we'll have yeah. to wait and see. Hard to say. I did hear that uh, Lady Gaga has been cast as Harley Quinn for the Joker sequel. Yeah, I've seen a couple set photos of it, and she looks like she pulled it off quite well. Oh, I mean, uh, what's her name? Um, Oh, uh, uh, Robbie. Margot Robbie was an absolutely perfect Harley Quinn. I I don't know how Mm -hmm. you could have more perfect a Harley Quinn than Margot Robbie. But Lady Gaga has got that she could do that uh, not so feel to her. Like it's, I think a little bit more, a little bit more contained. Like it's uh, a on the Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn is like very out and proud with her weirdness and everything. But I feel like the Lady Gaga would be a little bit more cold and calculated maybe, you know, and only like letting out that craziness when, you know, she needs to kind of thing. Having kind of a more of a, is it, is she crazy or, you know, does she have more of a handle on things, leaving that uncertainty? Because yeah, she's definitely a a fantastic actress. You well, know, I, which is I, I love Lady get. Gaga. I love Lady Gaga. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. No, hundred percent. So just she, uh, ending off the whole Aquaman thing. Um, just I looked it up, and it's got thirty five percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's got eighty one percent audience scores. And like I said, it's gotten over three hundred and thirty million. Uh, worldwide so far and so it's actually doing quite well and audiences there seem to like it i mean at least people i mean i think that's been a big problem with a lot of the superhero kind of movie burnout is people people are kind of knowing what to expect and now they don't want to they don't want to go out to the movie theater because i mean especially the streaming service it'll come out in a couple months i'll just watch it at home but maybe with it being the final one maybe people are like okay i want to i want to see this you know yeah, and and I mean, as much as people are tired of superhero movies, they do look amazing in big screen. That that is true. I mean, that's you know, that that's where you like that's the best place to experience it. You know, like you know when we went and saw Oppenheimer in theaters, like yeah. th- that was such a, an amazing experience getting to see that in IMAX. It, it would still be amazing to see at home on a very nice TV, but you don't get that same, you know reaction and feeling from it than you do like because it's it's meant to be seen in a theater at the end of the day like all movies that's the idea you know it's it's meant for that i i'm a straight man but i like seeing jason momoa in big screen (laughs) because he he is a specimen absolutely it's yeah no he's 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 got tight cast into the large burly guy but you know what he does it well he likes to do it I mean, I don't see an issue with it if you love what you do. He's making a living at it. Um, exactly. So let's let's move on uh, and talk about a movie that we saw over the Christmas break together. Um, because it's actually, it's done really well. And we loved it. It was called The Holdovers. Oh, so um, such a good movie. Yeah, if, if you haven't seen The Holdovers, uh, the, the synopsis, the write-up about it says... Follows a curmudgeonly instructor who's uh, played by Paul Giamatti at a New England prep school who is forced to remain on campus during Christmas break to babysit a handful of students with nowhere to go. 
Eventually, he forms an unlikely bond with one of them, a damaged, brainy troublemaker, and with the school's head cook, who has just lost his her lost her son in Vietnam. So, kind of a weird uh, synopsis, but what a amazing movie! Oh, it, it truly was. Like I, you know, you go from a moment in the movie of you know laughing, and then the next scene, it, it almost has you breaking into tears and crying and. You know, it, it's been a very long time since I've I've watched a movie that's given me such a like an emotional response uh, while watching it. Like if everything about it, it just felt so so real. You know, it didn't feel like a movie. Like it felt like I was just watching almost like a dream of somebody remembering these events. Kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was no surprise that Oppenheimer won big at the Golden Globes here the other day. But mm-hmm. to, for the holdovers, uh, winning two Golden Globes, like Paul Giamatti and Devine Joy Randolph, he won for Best uh, Actor in a Comedy, and she he did, won yeah. Best Supporting Actress. Like, And both of them deserved it so much. Oh, 100%. If, if Paul Giamatti doesn't win an Oscar uh, for, for that role, I will be a bit upset because he, like, he truly, he's, he's such a versatile actor, and I feel like he's very underrated like i feel like people when they see him, it's like oh yeah paul giamatti but it's not like he's a you know he's a household name compared to some of the other big actors out there and i feel like he hasn't gotten a lot of the the award recognition for a lot of his work now he's had some not so good movies you know big fat liar in the early 2000s but i mean he's had a ton of amazing films that have come out with a very strong like you can truly tell he understands the character when he's playing it just like we saw in the holdovers you know yeah, absolutely. And, and he's such a neat guy. Um, I, I was reading the other day that following his Golden Globe win, he proceeded to go and leave the, the building and just go to an In-N-Out Burger, which is like a McDonald's. I saw that. I was going to mention I saw that. Like that, that's, that just shows, you know, where he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't have to go and flaunt his award. He just wants to go with someone he really loves and just have a have a nice you know, greasy meal. And that's, that's awesome. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jim Marty though. Yeah. He was just brilliant in this movie. I thought, um, I, I read an interesting thing about it too, actually, after we watched the movie. So he has, his character has the, the lazy eye. That's right. a very yeah. kind of big thing. Uh, apparently, um, they did a thing. They, until, until you meant, they mentioned it in the movie when they talk about the eye, throughout the film because it's a glass eye that he wears apparently or that he didn't really go into detail but it's it's a it's a prosthetic to give himself the the off look and they refer to him him as walleye in the movie exactly in different directions um and apparently as they were filming if you go back and watch the movie different scenes it'll be a different eye that's out of focus so that when the question comes up later and says which eye do i look at the audience has to think back because they can't remember which eye it was because they've been switching it up the whole movie to kind of mess with your mind. Oh, what a cool little trick. Yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was neat, but I don't know. I, it, it's definitely a movie that I have to, I want to sit down again and uh, watch and take in again. Uh, w- would you consider it to be a Christmas movie? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it doesn't, it, to me, any movie that's set at Christmas isn't necessarily a Christmas movie unless it only works because it's set at Christmas. Like mm-hmm. there's always the the 
argument about Die Hard, whether it's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, Die Hard doesn't work if it's not set at Christmas. So therefore, yeah. it's a Christmas movie. Now, this movie, the kids all going home for Christmas, it doesn't work if they don't have it at Christmas time. So yes, well, and it's, it's a Christmas movie. Especially too, like you could you could argue, oh, well, what if it would be spring break? But I think when it comes to a lot of stuff with you know the old curmudgeon and the the young kind of Dennis the Menace like character, you know, having to come together and grow to like each other. It, when you put it in a in a setting like Christmas, I mean, Christmas is always considered you know the time of giving, and you know you might you might be a little bit more generous and kind. Yeah, you might be a little more kind of generous than you would be any other time of the year. So yeah, I 100% agree that like, yeah, you could do it over spring break, but the the whole flip of like, you know, if, if she were to say, oh, come on, don't be mean to him, it's it's Easter. You'd be like, okay, and? Like, what do you want me to, he's, 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 a, he's an adult. Do you want me to get him some eggs? Like, Christmas is such a big thing, you know? So I, I agree. I definitely think it would be in that that, you know, category of can't work without the Christmas setting. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, watching him in this movie, um, he's a bitter old teacher. And as a teacher of almost 31 years of teaching, I, I feel like I had a really good view into his mind. Like, I, I I could put myself in his place and his just distaste for the things that were going on around him at times. But how did you feel about it as a non-teacher you're not a teacher i mean you li- you grew up with teachers but um how did you I've, feel I've been surrounded by them my whole life i can't get away from that all my time yeah and you, yeah. you married one so exactly yeah so i mean like that's a, a big thing that i was thinking about while watching the movie and it, it really did remind me of it but almost on the other spectrum is it gave me a very heavy uh feeling of like the dead poet society and if you, it's like if you took that and you took Robin Williams' character from that and you gave him a complete 180 and instead of being the, the guy that inspires these kids, he's just pissed off that they aren't just naturally inspired by him and he's, you know, he's got that grouchy feeling and everything, you know. And I, I mean, I think it was a pretty good portrayal of not only maybe how a boarding school in the 70s would have been, um, but just how I think that that mindset of the old teacher that this is the way we do things like he's very caught in his ways and he doesn't like to break the rules you know and, and i think it was a pretty good portrayal of you know what you what you could say quote unquote of the teacher who's you know maybe burnt out from what he's doing and everything which i mean i don't want to spoil anything but through the events of the movie helped kind of push him into gaining a new a new life and a new understanding and you know maybe it, they, it wasn't the the happiest of endings but maybe it's the ending that needed to happen. Yeah, I agree. And and you bring up bring up about how you know it's it's setting in the in 1970. Um, it 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 worked so well for what they were doing with this movie. But the other thing I noticed about it was that as you were watching it, it had this the the look of the movie had this gritty look, like when you're looking at old photographs of the 70s. Yes. So like, did did you read about that about what they did? No. So so if you watch the movie, I I read about this after. There is like a bit of that brain on it, and like a, like the 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 burn mark that you see on the old, you know, when you used to watch film movies, there would always be that burn mark that pop up every you know couple yeah. minutes. Yeah. 
Um, they they purposefully added those, edited those into the to the scenes to give it that vibe of the those old school film movies back in the day. Awesome, yeah. It it absolutely worked because I sure noticed as we watched it. Yeah, and it just even it's still little subconscious things that kind of help, you know, get you into the 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 mood of it a bit more. So I have another question for you about the holdovers. Uh, it was okay. rated R for some drug use, language, and brief sexual material is what it was listed as. Do you think it the R rating was appropriate for that movie? I'm trying to. I'm trying to think back. I mean, it probably comes down. I think the language would probably be a a very large part of it. You know, you, you know, you have so many, so many f bombs and everything, and then eventually, it's 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 not going to be able to sit at that PG fourteen, which I think is. I think PG thirteen allows one f bomb, and then PG fourteen is like two or three they're allowed before it's pushed over. But I mean, like other than. I think language and a little bit maybe more mature topics that are discussed in it. There's nothing really overtly, like there's no nudity as far as I can remember in the movie. Yeah, there's no nudity or violence really to speak of, but. No, it's, I, mean, I think it'd be more the, yeah, the, the profanity and the subject matter that is uh, kind of discussed in the movie. Like it's not really a movie for younger audiences by the no. top, the topics of the movie. But, but I mean, I could I could see a you know, fourteen to seventeen year old kid who you know maybe isn't a a rich private school kid, but a kid who's very gifted, but maybe has a bit of a troubled background, taking a lot away from uh from that movie, you know. Which so should it be R rated? I don't know, but I mean, I I can I could see how somebody that would be under that age could benefit from watching that movie hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So let's, let's move on um, from the holdovers, which we both loved and I would watch again. Um, sure I'd, I'd give it, give it five, five thumbs up out of five. I would give it five falcons out of five falcons. Oh, that's, that's better. I should have gone with falcons. Okay. Okay. okay so next topic, uh, because Noah and I are, big time Star Wars geeks and always have been. He's even more so than me. Uh, the the learner became the master, if you will. Uh, <laughs> we we want to bring up a Star Wars topic probably in most all of our, our talks. Uh, today's topic is around the announcement of the Mando and Grogu movie that's been announced. What do you think of that? So, I mean, for me, I mean, it's new Star Wars. I'm always going to be excited for new Star Wars. Am I going to watch it? Of course I'm going to watch it. Am I going to overanalyze it? Yeah, of course I'm going to overanalyze it. I am hesitant that I, I hope it doesn't, like, I, I hope they can get the story. Because, I mean, a big thing of The Mandalorian is the story's been great, but they need, like, you know, 10 episodes to kind of tell the whole story. So can they can they make that translation from TV to, to film and will it affect like how, how will it affect the entire story? Just having to get one big adventure done in a, such a short amount of time, you know? Yeah. I know what you're saying, but I found like, I, I really enjoyed the Mandalorian TV series, but I found at times that it was almost like they were trying to put in filler because they were trying to drag out the story. And, and I think if they can make it more concise, put it into a two hour or even two hour and 15 minute movie, 
I personally, I think that would come off better if it was like action, 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 and not a lot of, not a lot of these just uh, side quests. The fl- fl- flavor of the week, yeah. I mean, I think when it when when they're making the show, a big inspiration is you know if you go back to what you know George Lucas had based Star Wars off of was you know the old Flash Gordon serials in the you know the forties and fifties when he used to go to the movies and. You know, a lot don't, of those times it was just... Don't forget it, it was the samurai uh, uh, movie. The, the, well, the, the Kurosawa and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, so I mean, again, like, I think that's... They they took a bit of that inspiration of where George had his inspiration of, you know, okay, here's his adventure of the week, which is fine, but I 100% agree. There's a lot of the time where it's like, especially when you're waiting a whole week to see it, it's like you get down excited, and then it's like, oh, okay, I'm not going to... It was, it was a fun little adventure, but you know, with Star Wars, so much of what happens in the universe is always such a, you know, macro thing to get just these micro stories that affect people's lives, which are good for the character development. But sometimes it, it can be a little frustrating. And I'm like, I just want the, I want the, to get to the meat and the bones and everything, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, I think John Favreau is a great storyteller. I mean, and mm-hmm. I wish, uh, you know, hindsight or going back in time i wish they would have given the reins of star wars to him rather than jj abrams because i think jj yeah. abrams screwed it up uh, but that'd be I, another, I think, that's a whole nother episode we could do exactly on that. i i think where they where they have where disney has lacked in making the star wars films they have succeeded in the, in the other mediums whether it's in the books or the t- television shows or the video games like they they've been able to kind of branch out those stories into really strong you know personal stories and you really care about the characters um i'm curious if the the whole writer's strike was part of maybe why they moved into making it a movie instead of doing the season four. Oh, that's a good thought i hadn't i hadn't considered that but yeah you know like because they're talking rather than doing a season four there won't be a season four it'll just be this mm -hmm. movie I, I also it, hope they, they go with a bit, like, I hope the title of the movie isn't The Mandalorian, like, hope they go with it, maybe a bit more of a exciting title, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Like, it, it's, what I read is it likely won't hit theaters until 2025 or possibly even 2026. Which, which makes sense. But, but that puts it a long ways away from the last Mandalorian show. Well, and, and I'm fairly certain, too, because this is John Favreau's movie. I'm pretty sure I read, too, back I think back in the springtime when Star Wars Celebration was going on, that um, like Dave Filoni has also been signed on to do a, a, a Star Wars film as well. Now, I don't know if this counts in it, if he's working on it, or if he's doing his own thing with, like, Ahsoka or something like that. Yeah, yeah, possibly, eh? Um, I, I mean, I, I'm fairly certain from what I've read that, like, Ahsoka Season 2... Uh, should be coming out like before that uh, the movie comes out. Um, what I'd be curious to see is if they're going to go on the route and maybe almost have you know the end of this Mandoverse that we've been seeing since whatever it was 2018, 2019, if we're going to see it become like almost a, a film adaptation of the old Heir to the Empire books, you know, but instead of the original trilogy cast doing it with Ahsoka and, Mandal- and Mandalorian and... Um, like Boba Fett, have him come in and make their rag tag team, you know, that group that has to fight with the New Republic and take down Thrawn, you know, is is that going right. to be where the yeah. final showdown is, you know? Yeah, yeah, because Thrawn is such an intriguing character. I'm glad they brought him back. I, I really am, too. Like, I, I never, 
I ever thought, especially after Disney had their, you know, bought everything and they got rid of, you know, the the extended universe and made it all into Legend. That was there was oh, this was one of the characters I was very sad to see go was Thrawn. Like he's such a unique and interesting character. Um, I hope that if they do feature him in, let's say, a film, I would hope that they would get like Timothy Zahn, uh, the the author of the original Heir to the Empire and the creator of Thrawn. And, to have a little bit of insight, because I, from what I read, I don't think there was a ton of, um, like, I don't think he had a ton to do with the television show when it came to some of Thrawn's motivations and stuff like that in Ahsoka. Well, that surprises me. Like, why wouldn't you reach out to? Uh, who, who knows? <laughs> That's yeah. uh, not that, you that, there, 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 could, there could be probably a hundred reasons for for that, you know. But I mean, I, at the end of the day, again, it's just amazing getting to see, you know, Thrawn in live action with, you know, his animated uh, character's voice actor, who, I mean, thankfully enough, it physically looks very much like Thrawn, you know, as much as you can yeah. get on on a live action kind of thing, so. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, if it comes out in 2025 or, or 26 or whatever, that'll be the uh, first movie released in the Star Wars universe since the 2019 Rise of Skywalker. A lot of people don't realize yeah. that. I was, that was four well, years ago. And there have Five years ago now. By the, by the end of this year, oh, yeah, it'll be five right. years. Almost five years ago. Which is crazy and for me to think. I know, right? Like, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. But, yeah, saw, uh, that, saw that movie and then COVID happened. I guess from that movie, it just went downhill, you know? Well, yeah, because they had some other plans, but after that came out and sort of bombed, they sort of just shut it all down. Well, yeah, originally, I think Kenobi, both Kenobi and the Boba Fett show were supposed to be their own movies, apparently. And then they got moved into the television slate because I think it was a bit easier to use the, uh, oh, I forget what it's called, that like whole set where they can change the background, you know? Yeah, okay. I forget, I forget the name of it, which, yeah. you know, I... Probably should have looked up ahead of time, but it. I feel. I feel like it was. It was just within their budget and everything, and yeah, because of the negative reception, which I think it's been good. It'll be good to have given Star Wars a movie breather, you know. Yeah, I. I kind of back to the whole superhero thing. Maybe that's what they need to do with it and give it a breather. Oh, I. I hundred percent. I hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I want to move on. Um, I. I. I would like to on each of our episodes come up with a random question time and so for today's episode i picked the random question what's the worst movie that you have watched to the very end so yeah so i was i was reading like i read the question like this is kind of something i was thinking about all day and there's there's for me there's two schools of thought there's the the so bad that it's good you know or you know it's they had a poor budget or you know, it was somebody's passion project and it's like, you, you just kind of, it's like watching a car accident. You know, you can't look away, you just kind of unfold ahead of you. And and then there's the ones I've thought about that are just plain bad. And in my opinion, like what makes a, a bad, bad movie, not a so bad it's good is if it's boring. For me, that's a big thing. If I get bored during a movie, like even one that are just people talking and having conversation, like those can be just as exciting as a, you know, huge action movie, you know? So when I was thinking on what is one that was so boring, you know, and uh, just like had, I sat through the whole thing is this was years ago. And even then I was, I was young. That was probably like 11 or 12. And there was a movie and I saw it at the Falcon theater and it was called the golden compass. 
Okay. Do you I know what remember, movie I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember the movie. I don't think I ever saw it, or if I did, it, it had like a it. polar bear and gold armor. So it was one of those kind of coming off again, like we said earlier, like studios trying to jump on the bandwagon. I think it was like you know halfway through the the Harry Potter movies, and it's a movie based on a based on a book apparently. And I honestly, again, I couldn't tell you a thing about the movie. I remember watching it though, and just being like, "This is just." so boring i i don't care i just want it to be done you know yeah that would be my like kind of i would say like one of the worst movies i've ever watched now i could go off and say you know I've, I've seen the room which i mean it's considered to be the citizen oh. king bad movies you know but oh, again it, it has it yeah oh hi mark like <laughs> it it is such a it it's one of those ones where you watch it and you know, I've had the I've had the chance a couple of times to see it, you know, at screenings here in Regina, and you know, it's a it's an experience all in its own. You know, it's the the Rainbow Theater when it was playing like sold out for this movie. Yeah, I agree. you know, that is, that is a bad movie that I like to watch. Yeah, it's you know, so it's, bad, it's so bad it's good. Yeah, you know, and there there's there is quite a few movies that I think have that that charm to them you know where again maybe it goes back to if even the movie didn't come out the way they intended but maybe they did have a bit of the you know that has that charm to it and that that weirdness that makes it uh makes it enjoyable but yeah. what would you say is your your worst movie you've ever well, you've ever seen i i i've watched a few bad movies um like i remember taking you to the dukes of hazard movie and it was absolutely <laughs> horrid. I, I wanted to leave. I, I've never walked out of a movie. That's the closest I've ever came to getting out, getting up and walking out of a movie because it was so... I don't bad. think I've ever done that either. I can't say I've ever done that. I've, I've forced myself no matter what. Uh, another bad one um, that I took you to as well was the first Hulk movie. Uh, it was so long and boring. And, and I love the Hulk. He's one of my favorites. But that movie was the just absolutely terrible but the the movie for me that that jumps out when i say what's the worst movie i've ever watched and and i'd like to set this up a little bit by saying it was december 31st 1999 i, I already know what movie you're gonna talk about <laughs> the, the, the the event like everybody was talking about the 1999 new year's eve event the biggest event of the millennia and it's this gonna be giant parties everywhere well your mom and I, we had just had Eric. He was three months old. He was sick, had a huge fever, so we didn't go anywhere. So what did we, what do you do Good when job, you don't Eric. go anywhere? We go and rent a movie, right? Because that's what you did back then. There was no Netflix or anything. You just went down. We went down. What, what, is, this, what is this movie rental thing? What What is this you're talking about? Oh, yeah. No kidding, eh? Went down and we rented the Thin Red Line. And <laughs> we sat there watching it. And watching it and just thinking, okay, this has to get better. It has to improve. And it was just these, it was Vietnam War, these soldiers trying to take a hill. That's all it was. It, it's absolutely, and, and part of it maybe was the fact that we were lamenting the fact that we couldn't go out and do anything. But it was, in my opinion, the worst movie I have ever watched in its entirety. That's yeah, and, and I, I was just looking it up because I've never actually seen it, but I've heard you talk about it. It, it has the thing about it has decent reviews, like it has eighty percent critic and audience, 
like on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's got an all star cast. Like that's big, the thing. Like big actors. Sean Penn, Adrian Brody, John Cusack, George Clooney, Woody Harrelson. Like it's not a not a small cast by the by George any Clooney. means. Yeah. No. Travolta. Yeah. No. That's it's. It looks like it's on Disney Plus. Maybe you need to give it a a rewatch and see if it still uh, is. Uh, you know what? If I rewatched it, maybe it wouldn't be as bad as the first time. If I watched it with a different, uh, different mindset, I guess. I don't know. No, hundred percent. Hey. Okay. So, uh, was there anything else that you wanted to discuss before we call it a night? Um, I guess like you know one. I don't know. Is this getting like posted right onto the Facebook page? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. Well, yeah. I'll post. I'll, I have created a web page for these podcasts, and mm-hmm. I'm also going to be uploading them to YouTube. Hopefully, that's the plan. But also, I'll put a, po- a post on Facebook where to find them, where to to go and to listen to them. I got, so I got gonna, something that I would, what I would put it there for people if they want to comment is comment what what to them is the worst movie they've ever seen in their entirety, and you know that's why. a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I you agree. know, and, and I guess if anybody out there has any other ideas for a random question like we could have like a you know every week if there's a person that had a question that you know they want our yeah. our opinions on they could put it out there and we can talk about it in future uh, future episodes you know yeah yeah so um and uh, i guess what what else do you have coming up uh, in the next uh, couple weeks here yeah so this weekend if you've stuck with us this long uh this weekend at the falcon theater we're showing aquaman the lost kingdom uh, Friday and Saturday at 8 p.m. and Sunday at 2 p.m. The following week we have Migration. Uh, it's by Illumination Studios. It's about uh, it's a, an animated uh, film about these ducks migrating. Looks hilarious from the trailers. Uh, it'll be Friday at 8, and then Saturday at Sunday will be matinees at 2 o'clock. And then the weekend after that, we're hoping to be showing The Color Purple, but uh, that's not 100% confirmed yet. So. Is there any other colors in the movie, or is it just in purple? No, everybody wears purple at all times. Their faces are colored purple. Everything's purple. Is there, is, there any, is, there, is there any, like, uh, are you doing, like, dyeing all the popcorn purple and only serving great pop type thing? Or? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, we should do that. <laughs> so that's that's probably what will happen. <laughs> okay, well, thanks a lot, uh, Son, for joining me. And, and uh, I don't know, we... We'll do this uh, whenever we have time. I, I would like to say it could be a weekly thing, but life gets in the way, so it might be bi-weekly or monthly. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find be, out. It'll be whenever we, whenever we can make it work. <laughs> yep, you betcha. Uh, as consistent as we are, right? Exactly. Okay. So, well, this, will be the la- so this will be the last show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When... when uh, when it comes out and your mother listens to it and your grandparents listen to it and that's it. So we'll get, we'll get mm-hmm. like five listeners. And those are, those are my favorite fans right there. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, if you did stick with us and listen to it, thanks a lot for listening and uh, you know, have a great time. We'll see you at the movies. See ya. <laughs>